Well, this morning we are going to be in Philippians chapter 1. And so if you have your Bibles, you can turn it on, you can open it up, you can get it out. We are going to be in the book of Philippians for the next uh, several months. And so we're just going to systematically walk through the book of Philippians. Now, the book of Philippians is one of my favorite books in the entire Bible. It's something I go back to often. It's a a, a book of the Bible that just encourages my soul, uh, unlike any others really in the Bible. It it so easily and simply just demonstrates the truth of who Jesus is. And Paul, as he writes back to the Philippian church, has a singular message, and that is Jesus. In 104 verses in the Philippian letter, Paul references Jesus over 50 times. I mean, it is inundated with the truth that Jesus is everything. And so this morning, as we talk about the book of Philippians, as we look at Paul's writing back to the Philippian church, we're going to see Jesus written all over the pages. As we journey through the book of Philippians in the coming months, we will see Jesus over and over and over again. And that's the goal. The goal is for us to see Jesus more clearly, to live for him more closely. And so this morning, let's, let's dive into the book of Philippians and let's see what it can give to us. And we'll, we'll probably make it through about verse 11. And so we'll pick up next week and just journey through the book of Philippians together. So let's do this thing. Philippians chapter 1, starting in verse 1, says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I think you can see right off the bat that Paul has written to the Philippian church. And right off the bat, you see Paul and Timothy, servants of who? Christ Jesus. To the saints in Christ Jesus, who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. If this is a better intro, I don't don't know what could be a better intro to show us and demonstrate to us what this book is going to be about. See, Paul's in a very uncertain time in his life. He's writing from a prison cell back to this beloved Philippian church. This is a church that he loves so dearly. He he loves these people. They have meant so much to him and they have labored beside him and sent gifts to encourage him. And so here, right off the bat, Paul is going to say, I am a servant of Christ Jesus. This isn't like his other letters that he writes to the other churches where he says, I'm an apostle and a servant. He says simply, I am a servant. Now, this this word is going to set up the entire foundation of everything that we're going to see in the book of Philippians. So I want you to take note right here. The first critical foundation is that Paul identifies himself as a servant. Paul is going to identify himself as a servant. Now, Now, why is this important? See, this is a critical observation that we've got to cling to and see as we walk forward. It says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. This word is, in the Greek, it's doulos. It means a bondservant, a slave to the master, someone who is willfully devoted to the master's will. It's the same verse and same word that Paul uses in Philippians 2, verse 6 and 7, where he says, Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. See, Jesus didn't count equality with God as a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, becoming a servant, coming to this earth to do the Father's will. And so you see right here at the beginning, Paul is going to liken himself back to this doulos, this bondservant, this person that says, it is not my will, it is completely your will. Paul's identification of a servant is critical in our understanding of who we are in Christ. I could see how this at times works itself out in my own life. I would say that 
There's times where I feel like I'm a servant of the Lord Jesus, that I'm a husband, that I'm a father, that I have my job and my uh, routines and my sport teams that I like. And there are these different buckets strewn out along the way. And at times I'm a good servant of Christ. I'm a good husband of uh, Brittany. I'm a good father to my kids. And these are different buckets that I identify as. But what Paul is saying is that our first and primary responsibility, our primary identification is that we are a servant of Christ Jesus. This is the primary identification of the believer, that we are a servant. So everything fits under the umbrella of being a servant. If I want to be a good husband to Brittany, it first means that I've got to be a good servant to Christ Jesus. If I want to be a good father to my kids, first and foremost, I am identifying as a servant to Jesus to do and say, Lord, today I want to do what pleases you. I want to please you with my life, with my job, with my talents, with my gifts, with my resources. I want to please you in everything that I do. And so right off the bat, Paul is saying his primary identification is not all these other things, but he is a servant of Christ Jesus. For us as believers, this has to be our primary identification in life is that we are a servant first and foremost. But see, this is, this is not an easy task. This is not an easy thing because everything around us and inside of us is going to scream out, no, don't be a servant. This is not easy. This is not natural. This is not right. This is why we've got to die to ourselves on a daily clip. I mean, let, let's look at these for just a moment. The, the servant struggle. First and foremost, our flesh is going to say, nope. Your flesh will well up in you as you feel this call to service, as you feel the calling to be a Christ-centered servant in your life. Your flesh will well up and say, nope. Don't do it, right? Do what feels good. Do the things that please your soul and your flesh. Just go out and enjoy the fruits of your labor. Do the things that make you happy and your flesh is going to scream out. And Paul even said, what I want to do, I don't do. And what I do are the things that I don't want to do. Our flesh is going to well up in every sense of the word and say, don't do it. Being a servant is not the easy thing. It's not the natural thing. It's not the thing that our flesh cries to be as a servant of Christ Jesus. And secondly, if we move forward, our flesh is going to say, nope. But the world is also going to say a big resounding, nope. Don't think so. I mean, look at the advertisements and the culture that we live in. We are inundated with a me first society. Do what makes you happy. You are on the throne of your life. So do whatever puts you ahead. I think back to this great song that Bob Dylan wrote called, You've Got to Serve Somebody. Right? Bob Dylan had this conversion to the Lord and this gospel-centered life that he was trying to live. And he wrote this song called Serve Somebody, that you've got to serve something or somebody. And so serve the Lord with your life. And after the song came out, he got a lot of ridicule. And, and somebody who's very famous wrote a song to contrary it to say, serve yourself. This is the theme of cultural life that we live in, that we've got to serve ourselves the world is going to tell you at every turn and corner, serve yourself. Jesus is not worth it. Serve yourself. Make sure you are taken care of. Rise to the ranks. Accumulate stuff. Make sure you are well taken care of. Being a servant of Jesus is counter to all of this in our world. So not only does our flesh say no, the world says no, and our enemy is also yelling and whispering in every sense of the way. You guessed it. No. In the Garden of Eden, as Satan whispered to Eve, 
Don't you think that that fruit looks good for eating? Don't you think that you would enjoy that? Don't you think you would enjoy knowing what it's like to know good and evil and be like God? Don't you want to know? Playing to Eve's fleshy nature. Our flesh, the world, and our enemy are crying out, don't do it. Don't you want a little more of this? Don't you want to do this? Don't you want to be served? Knowing that service is such a difficult task and even the enemy and even well-meaning friends at times will say no. I can tell you in my own life, at times I have given really bad advice to people who are feeling like they're called to different things and you say, well, just, you know, whatever makes you happy. Follow your heart. You think that's the best decision for you? Friends, at times, even well-meaning friends will tell you to put yourself at the center of everything and the Lord will be a secondary or tertiary thought. Paul is identifying and saying he is a servant first and foremost of Christ Jesus, so everything else falls under that. And here's where it all, the rubber meets the road, is number five here. A transformed life says absolutely This is why Paul can get up and sit in a prison cell and say, I am a servant of Christ Jesus because Paul knew who who he was before Christ, that he was a persecutor of the church, trying to kill Christians and just destroy the name of Jesus. And yet God saved him from the pit of himself and the pit of hell. And so Paul understood who he was before Christ and now he knows who he is in Christ. And so because of this, knowing of what God had done for him, he is willing to lay down everything at the feet of Jesus and say, I am your servant. What else can I give? What could I possibly keep because of the immense gift that you have given me by ransoming my life from the pit of hell? Lord, I am laying it all down at your altar so I can sit in this prison cell and willingly say, your will, not mine. See, a transformed heart will always say, yes, Lord, absolutely. Whatever you want, whatever pleases you, I am on your team. I am ready to go. And without this transformed heart, friends, there's no part of us that's going to, that's going to want to serve, that's going to want to do the things that God has called us to do. And this is why gospel transformation of recognizing the deep need that we have of Jesus Christ and letting him transform our life day in and day out, waking up in the morning and putting it all on the altar and saying, Jesus, I've got to have you. Lord, I want to serve you today. As I go into my job, as I love my kids, as I love my family, as I go about my coworkers and my friendships, Lord, I want to serve you in the way that you have called me to go. This is a reality in our lives that we must put before us each and every day. Lord, how can I serve you more today? What can I do that will please you? And we only do that as we experience a transformed life that is taking us from death to life where we lay it all down and say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, whatever you want, whatever you have called me to. So friends, as we walk forward into the book of Philippians, know that this will be a critical underpinning for us. We're going to see Paul write from prison and we're going to see that this is the important passage that's going to help us understand exactly what Paul's thinking as he writes, rejoice in the Lord always. He can say that because he is a servant first and foremost of Christ Jesus. So let's continue this morning. Paul says, grace to you and peace from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. In verse three, he says, I thank my God and all my remembrance of you always in every prayer of mine for your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. 
As Paul reflects on the circumstances that led him to be at the Philippian church, to start this Philippian church, as he thinks back and ponders over the immense blessings of relationships that he has had with so many people in the Philippian church, his heart is overflowing with joy. His heart is just a wellspring of joy and thanksgiving to the Lord for the ways in which the Philippian church has blessed him, loved him, and encouraged him. This week, it's got me thinking about the immense amount of people who have walked with me and encouraged me. And as I began to think back over my life, my heart was overflowing with joy. And I just want to share a few of these to help spark your memory to the people in your life who have helped and encouraged you. I think back to a guy named Bill Struthers. As a sixth grader, I, I, like many of you, did um, a Bible drill. And I signed up for Bible drill as a sixth grader. And Bill Struthers signed up to be an encourager for sixth graders as they walked through Bible drill. So every Sunday as I walked into church, Bill Struthers was there as an usher to hand me a Twix bar with a Bible verse on it and to say, Mark, I'm praying for you as you study and learn God's word. I would go home and open the mailbox and there would be a card from Bill Struthers saying, Mark, I'm praying for you. I hope that you're hiding God's word in your heart. It is worth it. Keep going. You got this. I believe in you. During the week as a, as a sixth grader, I'd get a phone call from Bill Struthers and he would say, hey, Mark, this is Bill. I just want to let you know I'm on your team. I'm praying for you. Hey, do you have one of those good scriptures? I would love to hear it. And for weeks on end, Bill Struthers walked alongside me, handing me Twix bars all the way through this journey and just saying, Mark, I love you. Hide God's word in your heart. This is worth it. You can do it. Man, Bill Struthers, as I eat, at times as I eat Twix bars, I think about Bill Struthers and the influence he had on my life. And it wells up joy in me as I thank the Lord for guys like Bill Struthers. I thank the Lord for people like Dr. Steve Barrington. As I took my first mission trip with this church to Sea Great Bahamas, I may have done some things that were not the wisest decisions at the time. We made a few little mistakes there. And Dr. Barrington, this great doctor in Montgomery took, took us aside, these three guys who had make, made some mistakes on this overnight, uh, long, long little week trip here. He took us aside outside this little church and he lovingly rebuked and corrected us and reminded us that we were gospel sharers and showers to this community. That what we did and what we said were, needed to be matched up. And in this loving way, Dr. Barrington took these guys outside. I can still remember in my mind's eye right now, see Dr. Barrington in this loving way, just rebuke, but lovingly correct us and remind us that this is more at stake than a broken window. This is the gospel that we've come here as missionaries. And so what does it look like for us to demonstrate it by the way we live outside of being out on the street sharing Jesus? I'm thankful and reminded every time I think of that interaction of great men like Dr. Barrington who have come alongside. I think about my college roommates who we walked together through four years of college and to this day they still encourage and we love each other and support each other and ask each other how we're doing and call and text and pray for one another. Those guys are a wellspring of joy in my soul that I thank the Lord for. I thank the Lord for my grandmother. As a nine-year-old boy, I remember sitting on the front pew of our church, looking down at the end of the aisle and seeing my grandmother's eyes filled with tears. I walked down to the end of the pew after church and I said, Mamma, are, are you okay? What's going on? And she looked at me with tears welling up in her eyes and said, Oh, Mark, I am praying for you that you know how much Jesus loves you. Friends, as I think back to these people in my life, my grandmother, Bill Struthers, Dr. Barrington, my college roommates, I look at verse number three and I say, I thank my God and all my remembrance of you. 
all these people that God has put along our pathway that we say thank you, Lord, as we remember and reflect. So I want to give you some home, uh, it's, it's homework, but you're already home. So it's more like home, this is going to be home joy for you. I, I, I guarantee you, if you will do this next little portion, you will be blessed greatly. First, I want you to stop for a moment. In your reflection, I want you to stop just for a moment and thank the Lord for Jesus' people in your life. Look back over your past and just sit down, take a legal pad or just sit down with your uh, friends or family, whatever it is, and thank the Lord for Jesus' people in your life who have come alongside you through valleys and mountaintops, who have prayed with you, who have encouraged you, who have loved you through difficult seasons of life. Thank the Lord that he has put people in your life like that. So just like Paul, you can say, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. So thank him. Tell the Lord, thank you for these blessings of men and women, saints who have come alongside to pour bedrock into the foundation of your spiritual growth. But more than just thanking the Lord, tell them. Tell these men and women what they have meant to you over these different seasons. Use your words to affirm them. I've heard too many times of people in our church and outside of our church who are doing these great things for the Lord, but they get tired and weary because they don't see the fruit of what's happening. I mean, even at our house, as we try to love Helen Ann, Micah, and Nora, and try to share scripture and have family worship together, there are seasons where I think this is not working, right? They're not listening to anything. They're running around like crazy people everywhere in our house. And we think this is not working. There is no fruit from this. And then there's that moment where they say, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And we think, yes, let's keep going. Let's keep doing this. This is worth it. And so let me just encourage you. Thank the Lord for Jesus' people in your life and tell them. Let them know how much you thank the Lord for them, that God has done a good work through them in your life. And secondly, thank the Lord for Jesus' people, but be a Jesus person to somebody. Be a Jesus person who steps up in the middle of someone's crises and rejoicing and be and come alongside them and tell them. Show them, demonstrate by the way you walk alongside them. Be the Christian comfort, be the Christian rejoicing. Be Jesus' people to other people in your life, your coworkers, your family, your friends, people who don't know the Lord. Be Jesus to people so that people will remember you and say, man, that guy loved the Lord and I thank the Lord for him in my life. And also understand that there are maybe some of you today that you're sitting there thinking, as I think back on the course of my life, there are not too many people that I can thank the Lord for. I've lived a, a difficult life, a hard situations, and there are not many people who have come alongside me to help and encourage and help grow me in the Lord. And I just don't have many of those people. Well, let me encourage you right now that there are opportunities in this faith family to come alongside and start today. This is a faith family. A family meaning that we love each other, encourage one another. So let me, let me just encourage you to maybe get involved in our discipleship classes Maybe it's a Bible fellowship group that you can start today. And I believe that you will look back five years, 10 years from now and say, thank the Lord for my Bible fellowship class. Thank the Lord for my teachers who walked with me. I thank the Lord that I got involved at that time. I even believe that today, if you join a discipleship class at five o'clock this afternoon on Zoom, I believe five and 10 years from now, you will think back and say, thank the Lord for that Joe Hancock. Thank the Lord that I poured my life into that discipleship class. Thank the Lord for the ABCs of evangelism and what is brought out in me for evangelism. Thank the Lord for Kathy's single uh, ladies class that has helped and encouraged me through this walk. Thank the Lord for these Bible fellowship classes. If you start now, 
So invest yourself in a faith family that will love you and come alongside you so that when you come through difficult seasons of life, you have people who are walking with you, arms linked together. So you can walk through life's detours and ups and downs and you can say, thank you, Lord. So I'd encourage you in the days ahead, thank the Lord for Jesus' people in your life. Secondly, be a Jesus person to other people and get invested and involved because I believe into your future, you will reap great fruit from the seeds you will plant today. So as we look at this passage, you see, thank my God and all my remembrance of you always in every prayer of mine for making all joy because of your partnership in the gospel from this day until now. And then verse six, this beautiful passage of scripture that in VBS was our theme verse that our kids memorized. And I hope you were able to memorize. It just says, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Oh, put this in your memory bank. Hide this deep inside your heart. This is a good word. Paul's eternal confidence is in Christ. See this last point, our eternal confidence is in Christ. You see it right here. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Paul is confident of this. Super confident that the God who saved him will bring him to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Friends, I'm thankful as a nine-year-old boy I walked that aisle and gave my life to Jesus Christ. And I know at that moment, as I gave my life over to Jesus, God began a good work in my heart. And he is continuing to bring that work to completion. And he will either until the day he calls me home or the day until the Lord comes back. He is working in you. This is a good work of salvation. I want to remind you right now that Paul is confident. I am confident. We are confident that the God who began a good work in you is at work in you. God is at work in you in this very moment, working to refine, to shape, and to grow you more into his image. Think about this for a moment, that God is at work in you. If you feel these moments that you don't know what's going on, what's happening all around you, know that God is at work in you and he is working to refine you and shape you. And he is working to bring that work of salvation that he started in you to completion. The good news in this is that he has done the good work. And if he has done the good work in us, he will bring it to completion. And so we don't have these moments where we're falling in and out of grace and falling in and out of God's love. If he has done the good work, he will bring it to completion. He is working in your lives and in your souls. So do you believe that? Do you know that? Do you believe that God is at work in you even now, even in this moment, God is at work in your hearts? So let's join him. Let's believe that God is at work and alive and he is moving and he is shaping us. This is why Paul can sit in that prison cell knowing that this is not in vain, that God is at work even in the midst of that prison cell. This is why we can walk through the ups and downs, the journeys, and we can have these difficulties in life knowing that God is with us and that he is working to will and to his good pleasure. He is doing good things in us. This is good news. And you see the point of it that Paul's trying to get across. It is right for Paul to feel this way because he holds you, he holds the Philippian church in his heart for you are partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment now in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love would abound more and more with knowledge and discernment so that you may approve what is excellent, be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Christ Jesus. 
Jesus to the glory and praise of God. Do you see that this is Paul's goal for us? This is his goal for the Philippian church who he loved so dearly that God's love would abound more and more in them, that they would well up with the knowledge of his will and they would be closer followers of Jesus Christ. This is Paul's goal for the Philippian church and it's all of our goal that we would know Jesus more, that our love would abound for him more and more every day as we fall more and more in love with him. So friends, I'll ask you in the conclusion of this time together, do you know Jesus? Have you realized that he has taken you from the depth and the domain of darkness and he has transferred you into the kingdom of his beloved son, into the kingdom of light? Have you felt what it feels like to have the removal of sins from your shoulders, the the weight and pains, the sorrows, the burdens of sin taken as far as the east is from the west? Have you felt that before? I believe as we admit the fact that we desperately need a savior, that all of us, all of us, every single one of us who are listening to this broadcast right now, all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But the good news message of the gospel is that he has saved us. Jesus has saved us from all of our sins, all of your sins. And so knowing that, if you call upon the name of the Lord, if you believe in him, if you trust in him, then your life is eternally changed, eternally. Your destination is eternally changed. And so right now, as we pray, I I want you to just pause for a moment in the quietness of this moment. Just allow the Lord to work in your heart, to to ask the hard questions in your soul. Lord, am I serving you well? Am I a Jesus person to the people around me? And am I confident that you are working in me? Do I see you at work in me? So right now, would you join your hearts together with mine as we pray that the Lord would just convict our hearts and show us what he is calling us to. Lord, we, we confess now that we need you. Lord, we don't have this thing all figured out, but we know that you are at work. Lord, we want to serve you better. We want to trust in you more fully. We want to wake up in the morning and just ask, Lord, what are you calling me to today? How can I serve you better today? Or what are the things that I can do to please you, Lord? Because of what you have done for me, Lord, I willingly lay it all down at your altar. Lord, we don't want to listen to your word and walk out of this place or turn off the TV or our devices unchanged. So Lord, work in our hearts. Change us now. Lord, we love you and we thank you for your son, Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.